Hi there, this is Joel Mingle, co-host of the Curly Mustache Podcast. Before today's episode, I'd like to say that this is our first official trigger warning. What we're going to be discussing today is a very serious subject and a topic that brings out a lot of emotions out of people. We'd like the folks who are listening to understand that in no way, shape, or form are we making fun or light of the incident itself. We are, in fact, and we always have been, making fun of the colossal douchebag horse-humping thunder cunts that we are reviewing today. And today, we are reviewing the douchiest of douche, the cuntiest of cunts, the biggest of the big. So sit back, relax, and enjoy episode 50 of the Curly Mustache Podcast. Hey, Ian Mingle. Welcome, sir. Hey, I'm Ian Mingle. I'm Joel Mingle's brother, if you couldn't tell. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, you are just, you are in for a fucking hoot nanny. Mm, put that seatbelt on. Get ready. Let's go through this car wash of love. Yes. Why is there two Mingles on my fucking podcast? <laughs> We're multiplying. <laughs> I know. I mean, there's a reason that there are two Mingles here. Why don't, you, why don't one of you explain the reason there are two Mingles on this very special episode 50 of the Curly Mustache Podcast? I can take that. Um, well, when a daddy please, mingle and please. a mommy mingle love each other very much. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're hiking our first megastar in the world of Villa. This is a heavy hitter, ladies and gentlemen. For episode 50, we thought we would discuss... The Angel of Death, Dr. Joseph Mingala, and his pop culture counterpoint, Magneto. Why is his name Mingala important, Joel? Because when people immigrate from other countries, they drop the <laughs> vowel at the end of the name, and if you drop the uh at the end of Mingala, it, sounds it would be familiar. Mingle. Well, it just depends, actually. Uh, the All the documentaries I watched over the past two weeks have been, it's either uh, Dr. Joseph Mingele or Dr. Joseph Mingele. Uh, that was just when he fled to South America, was that first one. But it's always some asshole who wants to change the sound of uh, Joseph Mingele's name like they're, the, like they're reinventing the fucking wheel. So they sound legit. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, I think and, it's actually Mingele. Mm-hmm, yes, and... I'm not saying it's aliens, but um, mm, Nazi alien. I love that the the two guys on this podcast with glasses are the ones making fun of nerds with glasses. <laughs> by the way, I know my kind. You didn't know me in fucking high school, man. This is this was me. You didn't have to pretend to push up your glasses. You just did it. I always hated cool kids like you in fucking high school, asshole. Go fuck yourself. Cool? Are you fucking kidding me? You should. Oh my me? god. Would you two just fuck already? Seriously. <laughs> Again? I, I've been listening to episodes of this on repeat, and I just, the sexual tension is so heavy. Just, you two just need to just bang it out. Just saying. All right, so if you're just tuning in for the first time, what we do here on the Curly Mustache Podcast is we take one real-life villain, one fictional villain, and we talk about their histories, their crimes, their motives, any connections the two might have, and we cap the episode off with our trusty bowler hat scale. And with that scale, we kind of talk about whether they could ever be redeemed. 
And as Joel said at the beginning of this episode, I don't think we're going to have any issues at the end of this episode. Uh, we've got Joel's brother, Ian Mingle, joining us as a special guest. I'm Steven. I'm Ian. I'm Joel Erotic. And as Joel said, the first person we're going to be discussing today is Dr. Joseph Mingala. Steven, start the ship off. All right. Dr. Mingala, a Nazi officer and physician during World War II who performed deadly experiments on prisoners at the Auschwitz concentration camp. Pretty basic explanation there. And one of the few basically mad scientists we've talked about on this podcast. Joseph Mingala, there are very few people who are born in the perfect time to be the ultimate version of themselves. And Joseph Mingala was a sociopath with violent tendencies who was born into a nation that got taken over and was run by fucking serial killers. <laughs> I could not agree more. This is a great example of all of the stars aligning to allow a person to be as evil as they want to be. And much like when I eat my feelings, uh, he really fucking got to be all he got to be. Like, he went all in. Joseph was born in 1911, uh, one of three brothers. Uh, throughout middle and high school and uh, his young age, he, he kind of developed a interest in music and art and uh, other physical activities. I, I, I don't know a whole about whole lot about his childhood life, like his relationship with his parents. Maybe you guys can shine some light on that. He had a great relationship with his parents. His parents and family loved him. He, he never suffered like a lot of our serial killers or, or, nutcase, or bad people on here. Uh, no real brain injury, no traumatic experience that was spoken of. None that I could find at all. Yeah, one of the weird things about him, too, is it, it is a great example of how it's all of the stars aligning to just let a person who probably would have just been like a shitty veterinarian or something. He's not a scientist. He wasn't good at applying the scientific method. He was just perfect for being a terrible man. <laughs> and he's like, like, here, here is fire. Spread it. <laughs> and I, I, in my personal opinion, rich people are uh, fucking evil. He came from a very wealthy family in Germany, who's the family business, uh, Mengele and Sons uh, Farm Equipment, is still running, is still up, and it is still one of the most popular farm equipment companies in Europe, Germany. So seriously, yeah, it's it's still on there. I found I don't even know the name of it. A large fucking piece, a used piece of equipment online is like two hundred thousand dollars. So there's some Bavarian lederhosen farmer fuck riding around on a tractor that says Mangala and Sons? Yeah. <laughs> Just riding on top of it. What I'm doing to the potatoes is what he did to the Jews. Father, could you not sing that <laughs> while I'm out here? <laughs> right. The grandfather just walks outside and has a heart attack just from hearing that. <laughs> no, they're not doing this again! No, stop now! It was kind of known that he was uh, a bit anti-Semitic right off the bat anyway, because he, he joined a uh, paramilitary organization uh, right out of college. Eventually, this was absorbed by the Nazi party, because when he graduated high school, he went to Munich, to Munich University, which also happened to be the city with the headquarters of the Nazi party. And this was around 1937. And uh, in his like smaller paramilitary organization, he was volunteering his medical service. He went to school for medicine and, you know, he just wanted to volunteer his service to a worthy cause. But, you know, 
a worthy cause. I'm saying that in quotes, by the way. <laughs> yeah, big old air quotes on that one. And so one of the things that I really struck me, too, is that he wasn't even that good of a student. He was fair to middling, but a super kiss ass. As If he found anyone else that was in power and his beliefs allied with them, he was, like, up their asshole immediately. I mean, it's sort of a Herbert West situation where, like, he wasn't really that great of a student, wasn't really that great of a scientist. He just latched himself to people that uh, were better and then became obsessed with doing evil shit. Okay, I got a question. So we keep mentioning how he, he did evil shit, which is entirely true. And also, if there's anybody out there that doesn't believe in any of this shit, put a firecracker up inside of your asshole and light it. Thank you. Oh, you mean the uh, Holocaust deniers. That's what Yeah, fuck them. Yeah, of course. Fuck um, those people. Does, does that even need to be said on this podcast? Is there enough Holocaust right. deniers out there to, to even... Yes! No! Yes! Hey, the further what? we get away from the event, the more people... Listen. Which is why it's important to talk about it, so... Yes, listen. That was... A just an undeniable break in, I don't know what's warm. I'm the social contract. That is one of the first ones in that whole unspoken, unconscious social contract between human beings where you don't do this shit in modern era. This was the first big one. This is the one that set people off the unconscious psyche of the world just spinning the fuck out into left field that people still fucking just cannot wrap their brains around it. What I'm saying is, is there a person that has a brain that's worth a shit that any of us give a fuck about supports no. Holocaust deniers or their ideas? It's the same with Flat Earth, man. Like, who gives a fuck? This is a very small amount of people who are dumb as fuck and just, who gives a shit? Like, they're going to be dumb as fuck. If the Holocaust never existed, they would deny something else. You know what I mean? It doesn't fucking matter uh, what they're denying. They're just idiots. These are the type of people that there is no reasoning with logic or any other type of thing. So I guess you're right. Addressing them is pretty much useless because I don't like to talk to bricks. <laughs> right. My question with Joseph Mengele is we all agree he did evil shit, but I don't know if he ever thought he was doing evil shit. Do you ever think no, that no. he stopped and said, hmm, maybe this is wrong? And we'll get to that in a minute. Let's move on a little bit because I'll come back to that question in a minute, Ian. Oh, yeah. I want to get a little bit through when he was promoted and then sent to, to Auschwitz and, and things like that. Mm, give me them Nazi deets, baby. Uh, okay. <laughs> I will fill you oh. with Nazi deets. Oh. <laughs> I don't know how to tell you this, but I am very uncomfortable yet thoroughly aroused. The German way. Are we going to examine my asshole now or continue? Let's continue. Well, maybe maybe the other thing later. But after he graduated from the University of Munich, uh, he joined, and this is Dr. Ottmar Freher von Verscher. Did I say that right? Sounds right. Dr. Ottmar Verscher von Verscher. Yep. And uh, developed a strong interest in genetic factors that resulted in things like cleft lips, uh, the genetics behind identical twins, which will come to play uh, a little bit later. But this is where he kind of got his taste for what makes white people the best people. That was his thoughts. Yeah, and this guy, if it were not for Dr. Atmar von Fuschershaw, there would be there would be no angel of death. He directly influenced him. He he was the guy who literally said, Ah yes, Joseph, if you would like to really make a splash in the academic 
und scientific field. So there's a little place over in Poland that uh, is called Auschwitz, and you can do a lot of crazy things over there. And this motherfucker got away, scot-free. Died in the 1970s, a respected physician in Germany. He got away with everything. I mean, Mengele kind of did too, but we'll get to that, <laughs> you know. Before he went to Auschwitz, like you were saying, Joel, he was actually made a second lieutenant in a medical reserve battalion. And he was assigned to the SS Race and, and Settlement main office. And basically what he would do there was he was an evaluator for candidates for Germanization, where he was like, hmm, okay, we're going to let these people uh, in. We're going to, we're going to send the rest of these to, to concentration camps. These are Germans now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we need to say again, like, <laughs> we are not making fun of German people. We are making fun of Nazis here. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is riding the lines. Like, it's tough. So I think we got to make it clear that we are very much just making fun of the Nazi party here, not the German people. One thing that I got to say about Joseph Mengele, if you were running a and d campaign, he would be the most well-written bad guy in the world because he contains all the markers. He purports himself as a scientist. He's not. He purports himself as a doctor. He's definitely fucking not. He holds a moral high ground that is not at all realistic. He does something called kicking the dog, which is when an innocent person is, for no reason, kicked. So you hate the character. He is the most perfect amalgamation of all things that make people shitty. One thing that you didn't mention, Ian, that I look for in villains, essentially, and a lot of times you, you find them in cult leaders and you find them in racists or, or just supremacists in general, is this mindset that no matter what, I am better than you. Mm -hmm. There is nothing you can say to me that will put you on the level of me and I wholeheartedly believe that. And therefore, nothing is going to stop me. Nothing is going to change my mind. And that's fucking scary. That is a scary person right there. Like kind of you were saying with the, with the Holocaust deniers. Like, there's nothing you can say. There's no ground that you can take that will budge this person. And that might be the scariest thing about somebody like Mengele. Yeah, that's a great point. Because infallibility shows that he will never admit to doing any wrong or... or... Uh, admit to any problems and i'm sure as we'll talk about later he will continue to believe what he did was correct and he'd fucking enjoy it let me just say something right now as you move on let's move on to the fact that this asshole who looked like ricky fucking ricardo <laughs> he looked like ricky ricardo with a big old fucking gap tooth and a giant forehead his black hair all slicked back you know who is going to, spoiler alert, chuck babies into piles of dead bodies. Somehow, got fucking married. Yeah. He found yeah. someone who stayed with him during and after the fucking war. Hold up. After? Yeah, yeah. For, for quite some time after. Not a huge amount of time, but at least enough time to... Basically, her reason for leaving him was like... She didn't want to flee. She got fucking lonely. Yeah. I guess there's somebody for everybody, you know? Ride or you die, take one lesson right? out of this. <laughs> I think at that point, you should probably just die. Yeah, definitely. He was promoted to captain from second lieutenant uh, in 1943, 
And this is where he applied for a transfer to Auschwitz, and he would become the chief physician uh, for the Romani family camp there. In the Romani family camp, the SS doctors, they didn't administer treatment because, like you said, Ian, these weren't fucking doctors. But what they would do is they would make inmate doctors administer the treatment. They would keep the people that were professionally trained alive to treat other people. Basically, Mengele was the head of this and said... You can treat these people, but anyone who doesn't recover in a two-week span, they get fucking sent to the gas chamber. Jesus, that's like less than a shelf life is fucking bananas. Right. Because these particular doctors, they were Jewish, Polish, or not really Romani. Romani folks back then were just like, they couldn't really be. You know, gypsies, and I use that term because that was such a popular nomenclature for the time, but colleges wouldn't take them. Right. But... Do you know how the doctor, the main doctor, Joseph Mengele's main assistant, had to do when when to, to become his main assistant? And you're talking about the, the non-SS assistant, right? That's right. The Jewish prisoner. Yeah. These folks were, uh, they were his slaves. They were slave labor. I know who you're talking about. Uh, and we actually have a piece of feedback uh, regarding this exact person that you're talking about that we'll get to later. But... Um, yeah, I know who you're talking about because this guy actually wrote a book about the experiences of being this guy's, uh, being Mingala's assistant. Oh my God, yeah. I can't even imagine being in the room with that guy. So, so straight up, Joseph Mingala is on the platform when the trains get off. And that was his main thing. You know, he would stand on the platforms and, you know, swift hand movements left and right, you know, right you into the camps, left you into the gas chamber. Yeah, he was on the, it was called the selection team. Yeah. Is what that was. He, he was the head of the selection team. He loved it. He would argue with people to get more time on there because he wanted to make sure that no twins or, you know, dwarfs or anything like that would get through past him. That was his main focus was people with uh, genetic abnormalities. If you had cleft lips or, or if you were a dwarf or if you were uh, identical twin or you had some sort of weird extremity issue or something like that, he was like, you're going in the mingle pile, literally. Yeah, but he stood on the platform and started calling out, uh, asking for uh, doctors. And this one particular gentleman raised his hand and it was about him and six other people. And so they all, you know, they got drug over there. And Mingla's like, how many of you have been trained at a German college? And only that one doctor raised his hand. And the other guys, to the left, off they went. Now, you have to understand that this is hell on earth. There is no other way to put it. I know we talk a lot about, you know, the, 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 the horrible conditions living. This was literally hell on earth. They made him do an interview. They legitimately pulled in two dead bodies because he he was a forensic pathologist. They made him pull in. They pulled in two bodies and him, the commandant of the camp and three other German SS officers and a couple of the doctors stood there and watched him do a full on autopsy on these people. Pause him. Yes. uh, What do you think of the condition of the liver on this particular man? And he would have to take the liver out and explain to Mangala, what his logic behind his findings were. They did a fucking Q and A. Yeah, they did a Q and A. I I don't know. It it just seems like the bureaucracy blew my mind on that one. When Mangala first went to the camp, did you hear what he did within the first forty eight hours? Shit. First forty eight hours, he got there and he was immediately informed that in one of the Romani camps, uh. 
there was an outbreak of uh, typhus. Basically, they were shitting themselves to death. Six ways to Sunday. And they had no, they've been trying to break to curb it for the past, you know, two months. And he got there and he immediately walked into the office and they're like, they don't know what to do. And he just went, well, it's quite simple. We kill all of them. And we kill all 2,000 of them now. It's in 48 hours. He immediately liquidated 2,000 people. Just, and they immediately popped boners. That way they were just like, this is the fresh breath air that we have been looking for. Oh, I love how you think outside of the box, Joseph. It's beautiful. I feel like there's one German soldier in the side who's like, um, you know, if we just like wash their clothes and stuff, it'll... It'll go away. Uh, put him in. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> brings up a good point because I think we can agree that all Nazis are shitty. But there is a level of how shitty of a Nazi people are. You know, there were a lot of soldiers in the Nazi army that were just following orders, essentially. That were like, if I don't follow orders, I'm going to be fucking killed just like everybody else. This particular job... And, and this is going to sound weird because because you're like, oh, well, poor them. This particular job of selection, this was something that was extremely stressful for, for some Nazi officers. There were some people that didn't relish picking children out of a crowd and sending them to death. What? People don't like that? Right. So here's your big difference between your, your typical Nazi officer and Joseph Mengele is he was known by the other officers to be laughing and like whistling and smiling whenever he was doing the selection process. This guy fucking enjoyed it. He enjoyed Prisoners it. and survivors then told how he would, they always noticed he was immaculately dressed. Perfect. Because it's a shithole. There's mud, blood, shit, wood chippings all over the place. It's all, it is a, it's hell. And he is perfectly dressed, white gloves, and only two doctors would do this job happily and sober. Joseph Mingala was the other one. And the other one was uh, Dr. Klein, a virulent anti-Semite because a Jewish dude seduced his fiance in college. <laughs> Wait a minute. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. When becoming a cuck goes bad. What the fuck? I lost my girlfriend in college to, I think it was uh, Second Life, the video game. I'm like, you don't see me out there trying to kill furries. Yeah, and that game's probably better than you anyway. It's true. I played. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> Joel's got like a shock on his face that I can just insult someone I've never met. <laughs> shock? fucking fired <laughs> jesus christ listen i've been podcasting a long time it just it doesn't even matter to me anymore like once you stop giving a fuck whether people hate you or not it's like who cares mm, you're going down a dark path much like our subject it's true it's true another thing about mingala is he was directly responsible and he actually uh, requested this position to administer and like supervise the usage of zyklon b which for our audience zyklon b is this like Basically, the cyanide-based pesticide that they used in the gas chambers to kill Jews. And this guy was like, oh yeah, I want that job. That's like somebody that's like, hey man, like, I want to work at your vet, but like, really the only job I'm interested in is like, putting down the dogs and like, throwing them in the incinerator. Is that cool? 
Is that cool with you guys? All the vets just sort of back out of the room slowly. <laughs> right, right. Listen, okay. We've gone into some detail before. And I think I'm going to have to say that lots of people talk about the gas chambers. And it's like, oh, they got gas. Mm. It's terrible. I don't think a lot of people understand what happened. You got sent to the right, you went to the right, you went to work in the camp. Your life expected five to six months before you dropped dead or you just were straight up fucking murdered. All right? To the left, you were immediately taken onto white buses that had the white, the red cross symbol painted on them to fool them. They were said, you know, they'd have German officers being exceptionally polite to the people. Now these, when I say people, I mean old or children. Any child under the age of 12, doesn't matter how many were immediately sent to the gas chamber. Pregnant women, too. Pregnant women, children, old folks. Immediately put on these buses, deceived into believing that they were going to a medical facility to be taken care of. So convincing was their, their covered story that they had people chasing down the vans, being like, I have diabetes. I need to go be with you guys. I need to be taken care of. They would take them in there, line them up, walk them into a single room. In the single room, they would be big signs in French, Polish, and German. And it would say, you know, take your shoes off, tie them together, strip down, fold your clothes, put them in a pile nicely. They would take them into the room where the showers were. The showers were not hooked up at all. At that same time, they would have, this whole thing is just one big fuck-up story, so get yourself a drink. At the same time that the people are undressing, they would be driving a truck around the back to the, the ventilation system that contained the that that went into the showers and started preparing by pouring the pellets and the and and Zyklon B is in a pellet form. When it hits liquid, it shh does that. So they would put them in this room. Everyone thinks they're about to take a shower, and then they just cut the lights out and gas them and it is a horribly painful way to go your body immediately constricts you begin uh involuntarily shaking your throat contracts and you start bleeding from your orifices a, a lot of our listeners are probably familiar with like a cyanide pill that you see in the movies and things you know you you bite down on the cyanide pill you've ingested it at this point it kills you fast and and like that's it. You know, your insides are just fucked. This is people breathing cyanide. This is infiltrating their lungs. How long does it take between when they start gassing to when people start dying? The entire process from the first truckload of the day, right? The first truckload, gassing and disposal of the bodies, they had it down to four hours. Holy when they started shit. breathing, the weak ones would die within the first five minutes. The stronger ones in the group would take up to 20 minutes to die slowly and painfully while crushing the other people in the room, trying to climb over them to get to the ceiling, thinking they might be able to get air up there. And this he, guy fucking wanted to be a part of that. Not only he wanted to, he relished being a part of it, man. He enjoyed being a part of it. <laughs> the unflinching, like, efficiency of the entire thing is what makes it so creepy too. And you said that he volunteered to go to this place. Yeah. Applied. He applied for yeah, it. Yeah, he applied for it. This is a position he wanted. Getting posted to Auschwitz 
in World War II was where you went if you were a fuck up or you didn't want to go on the front lines because you didn't want to die and you were kind of a coward. This is a man who chose to go there and was perfect for it. And he wasn't a coward. That's a thing. He suffered. He, he, he went to the Eastern Front on the front lines. He won a couple of uh, medals of valor for injuries sustained during heavy battle. Like he had that street cred, like that big dick street cred when he walked in because he was one of the very, very few outside of the commandant of the camp himself who had seen and been in actual combat yeah i mean he tucked his tail pretty quickly when the red army came but i was gonna say yeah. he's kind of a coward he left and ran no, yeah no i meant i meant comparative yeah this guy in comparison to everyone else you know everyone else is like oh you don't like what you see here that's nice you know it's much better than stalingrad in winter are you going to complain now no Oh, good. Yes. Now get back to work and kill the Jews, please. It's hard for me to, to say anybody in the Nazi party is not just a full-on coward just because I feel that that's what racism and anti-Semitism is. So complacency and just going along with orders, like, I understand that there's a gray scale of evil here. You know, following orders is still doing a bad thing, but there's a difference between him and the person well, giving the orders. Like, go back to episode 28 when you talk about Vlad and Dracula. Vlad did it for power, did it for uh, keeping his people together and just, you know, being a big dick swinger. And I think old, old Joey, old Uncle Joe, Uncle Mingle for the fuck of it. Did you, did you do that on purpose? Call him Uncle Joe? I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't say that. <laughs> oh my God. No. Ian, what the fuck? Don't embarrass the family. <laughs> you don't embarrass the family. Here, listen, look, look, I'll clear his name. I'll clear his name real quick. So what he would do is when he would bring patients in, like children or just people he wanted to study or people that he wanted to use, he would actually treat them really well. He'd give them like sweet. Children grew to love him. They had nickname, they had nickname for him. Uncle Joseph, Dr. Uncle, you know, shit like that. Uncle Mingala. That's why, you know, when he said uncle, I was like, oh, that's. That's what they called him was Uncle Mingala, which is real fucked up. And then, like, he would lethal inject them or send them to the gas chamber or have them lined up and be shot in a mass grave. That just further gonna... illustrates how his mental processes, he didn't even associate the idea of them being people. Because a normal person with the forethought of this child in front of me is going to die by my hand. So they would not try to interact because they don't want to form an attachment, which is why so many of the soldiers had to be moved out of Auschwitz and given breaks and moved in and out because you didn't last long there. But the fact that he interacted with these patients on a human-to-human -human level and it still didn't bother him is even more of a testament to how his mental facilities for empathy just did not exist. It was kind of along the same lines as they, they looked at them as uh, supplies, subjects, not actual people. And I think, and this is just a personal thought, it's it's kind of like lab rats, you know? You like yeah. the lab rats, the lab rat, oh, that rat is cool. It's very friendly. It's nice to be that lab, nice, nice to have that lab rat. You don't get feelings for the lab rat because you know you're going to have to kill it. It's interesting that they had to move soldiers in and out of Auschwitz because part of the Nazi thing, I'm sure you guys know the stories behind German shepherds and, and Nazis, right? No. No. So this is an interesting story. Officers in the Nazi party, they would be given a German shepherd puppy 
uh, when they first became an officer. And they were basically told by their commanding officer that they have to become attached to this dog over the course of, I think it was like eight months to a year, something like that. Then they had to kill the dog. What the fuck? Basically, it was part of their order. They're basically how they're, they got promotion. Like, if they could kill what they had become attached to raising and befriending, essentially, then they had what it takes. Oh, man, I, I can imagine I, the advertisement where, you know, you're walking down the street, you're a Bavarian, you've got some danishes or whatever they eat in their hands they look at the little flyers like join the nazi party get a puppy and they're like oh this sounds nice i think that was more for the ss yeah and more importantly more importantly death head unit which mingala was exceptionally proud to be a member of what's the death head unit death head unit was the creme de la creme of the the nazi party ss was their secret police their elite and the death's head unit was the tier one this is tier one of nazis this is you don't become this just by being good at your job this is the ronaldo this is the first string like you know you're going out to win some games you got death head ronaldo this is your your 1993 chicago bulls is what you're saying joel Ooh, they got that pippin (laughs) this is this is what joel's saying so listen can we talk about his downfall here I'm tired of talking about this guy, like, the bad shit that he did. I want to discuss just a couple things with... I'm sorry. It's it's Some of this is actually, like, having Stephen... No. Stephen Mingala. <laughs> Joseph Mingala in my fucking head for the past two weeks. It's been... Rough. And in your family for the last, like, 39 years. Mm, Mangala! <laughs> Mangala! <laughs> Honestly, there's one particular story that I heard about that it's one of those very few ones... We've done a lot of research for crazy and insane people, all right? Richard Chase legitimately cut open a woman's chest, shit in a baby's chest, and drank blood through a dead person's penis like it was a Capri Sun, all right? I thought I'd heard all I could hear that would make me go, oh, fuck. I mean, I somehow made it through Jimmy Savile. Mingala came in and said that he needed these bones of these particular people cleaned. The body parts were going to be the bones, which had uh, def- deformities in them, were going to be sent to Dr. Frommer over the whatever the fuck that guy's name was again, in Berlin at the time. And uh, Mingala had his assistant boil the bodies, you know, just to get the meat off the bones, as it were. Mingala and his assistant left the room and came back 10 minutes later. Oh, no. Four or five prisoners had snuck in there smelling the smell of boiling flesh. Oh, my God. And were literally plunging their hands into boiling water, grabbing them. They were so hungry. They were grabbing the meat and just eating it completely and totally unaware of what they were eating. Had them killed for, you know, getting more ration, possibly damaging his research. That's it? That right there, the banality of that evil, for me, I, I j- that just did it for me. Like, that, that literally killed a little something in my soul. Yeah, the one that did it for me was kind of reading about how he would basically pick out children and kill them 
cut off their heads and then send their heads for research, basically, specifically children that he was uh, to Doctor Otmar von Freihausen. That's right, and he was still doing that really up until the end because he transferred to another concentration camp months before Auschwitz was liberated by by the Red Army, and basically what what he did was he was like, oh fuck, Soviets are capturing shit. Let's head west. He was still listed under his own name, but for whatever reason, he was not listed on the war criminal registry. He didn't have that normal SS tattoo from the blood group either. So it made it easier to blend in. Like, he wasn't on the war criminal registry. He didn't have the tattoo. So all he had to do was basically file false papers. And I think he used the name uh, Fritz Ullmann, which is a fucking Nazi villain name if I've ever heard one by the way. I'm pretty sure that was the lead bad guy in the Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's what I almost said the same thing. It's just Indiana Jones villain right there. A little bit of information for our audience about what he said by blood tattoos. SS officers in particular would have their blood type tattooed on their uh, underarm of their right arm so that if they were hurt in uh, in battle, you know, you could just lift up their arm. Okay, they need this kind of blood. And Joseph Mingle was so vain about his fucking appearance. His wife said he would stand in front of the mirror for hours on end, preening and admiring the softness and the perfection of my skin. Basically like a Nazi version of, would you fuck me? I'd fuck me. Honey, are you still in the bathroom? Yeah. No, he did it in front of her. They had just, like, legitimately, they just got done fucking. And then he'd stand up and just stare in the mirror and be like, "My head." I feel he did an American that. Psycho where they're fucking and he kisses his arms in the mirror. Oh yeah! Don't just look at it; eat it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, he escaped to multiple different army units, always picking up a different name. But he eventually had to go by the name of Joseph Mingala because at roll call every morning in these units, he would forget the uh, fake name that he gave the day before and have like a different fake name. Right, right. Until finally someone was like, are you Joseph Mingala? No! Joseph Mingala. I'm Joseph uh, Mountain Dooney. You're just looking at stuff around the camp right now. <laughs> Nine! At this point, he had to flee uh, Germany altogether. Uh, the Mossad was looking for him. Uh, the Germans were looking for him. <laughs> he was like, I got to get the fuck out of here. So he went to South America, uh, specifically Argentina. Do you know who helped him get to fucking Argentina? Was it Steve Irwin? No, it's his fucking family and the Catholic Church. Yeah. I didn't know it was the Catholic Church. I knew I knew that his family had helped. His family completely believed, because you got to understand, they thought it was propaganda, allied propaganda, because they're basically a group of people who have been involved in a nationwide cult. They've been fed a steady diet every single day of propaganda meant to change their very thought process. So they honestly believe that their kids innocent and, as they so eloquently put it, once this whole Nazi fever is over, he will be able to return. Which earlier I mentioned it was it was called uh, uh, Mengele and Sons. Actually, it was just Mengele Farm Equipment. They changed it to Mengele and Sons after the war because they honestly believed that Joseph would be able to come back and run the business. Yeah, I think he only ended up having one son named uh, Rolf, which is like also one of my favorite Muppets. Um <laughs> <laughs> that also is, you just know for a fact that child was morbidly obese. Man, I can't imagine that Muppet at the piano. Okay, now we're gonna kill some Jews today. <laughs> no, but when I mentioned the Catholic Church, the Catholic Church, they had what was called the rat lines. The rat lines were 
basically members of the clergy would work through the legal loopholes in Italy and other parts of Europe to allow people to make donations to the church, rather sizable donations. And they would, they would literally baptize them into the Catholic church. And when you were baptized legally, you could get a new name. So if your name was Hans Verbosten, uh, oh, wow, he's at the top of the list of war crimes. Your new name is Christopher Manuel, because you are going to South America. Don't you guys just love the Catholic Church? Mm. There's our villain for episode 100, Catholicism. God, if you want to see how to, to keep money hidden really well, all you got to do is just create a tiny nation so nobody asks. Uh, <clears throat> the Vatican. That's it. Just create a tiny nation. It's fucked up. Uh, also, you're not too far off with his uh, his name because when he went to uh, Argentina, Joel, he actually went under the name Jose Mingala. <laughs> what a lazy fucking asshole! I know, I know. He even like uh, Joseph, Joseph, hold on, Jose, 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 perfect. Yeah, it didn't take long for his birth certificates and records to start coming out, and and the Mossad actually were like, oh, this motherfucker's in Argentina, and actually the Argentine government they released files showing that he was probably practicing medicine while he was in Argentina too, and specifically doing back alley abortions for people. Oh, he absolutely was. That's a fact. He was actually working. Mengele goes to South America. South America at the time was kind of not neutral, but they weren't really uh, publicly, they weren't choosing one side or the other until the tail end of the war. Yeah, it just depends what country you're talking about. Yeah. Too. Publicly, uh, in private, oh, not... Nazis had set up a huge infrastructure in Argentina, to be precise, that, you know, they just took millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. Some of them actually, you know, uh, pulled from the teeth of Jewish uh, concentration camp victims. This is the first show where I am legitimately like... Depressed? No. I'm kind of at times getting choked up. Yeah, no, I feel you. I feel you. And, and it's depressing as fuck. For me, the research on this one is the most depressed I've been doing research for, for these villains. Yeah, we're doing the goofy one in the next episode. <laughs> yeah, I but, love uh, that I came in at this one. This is the one that I got to do. <laughs> it's a good start. You know, it's good, good, yeah. good learning curve. There was a moment when I was... Uh, uh, doing some research about this, I was listening to some podcasts and I had fallen down a bit of a Wikipedia hole on what it meant to be a Holocaust survivor. And the survivor, basically a, a form of PTSD survivor victim uh, mentality afterwards, and the amount of trauma that these people went through, we do not have the time on a format like this to tell you how bad it was so it's really fucking hard for me to make this funny that's why i just want to fight holocaust deniers i just want to fucking fight them i know i just want to fight them in a cage oh yeah naked <laughs> tell you a really quick story the year 2008 iron man the first movie had just come out i'm working at walmart in new albany indiana i'm working in the tire loop express department and in walks this old boy and when I mean old, he's fucking ancient. He had himself a walker. Couldn't be more spry and funny if you tried. Right? He just comes in. He has a little bit of the accent. Like this. And for talking. And he's just laughing and making jokes. And he scratches his arm. And his shirt sleeve goes up. And I see the tattoo on his forearm. And I 
freeze. And he just, and he stares at me and he goes, what? And I go, don't take offense to this, sir. Is that what I think it is? And he goes, oh, this old thing? The dude was a Holocaust survivor from Dachau, which was another concentration Jesus. camp. I had the unbelievable privilege of buying this guy lunch at a subway in a Walmart and having him spend an hour talking to me about it. But you were mentioning the PTSD. This man was 93 years old. So he said he was 14 when he went there. All right. So 89 years later, okay. 89 years from when he went to Dachau to when he's sitting in a New Albany subway, he begins to describe his experiences of what they would do. He started with the counting. They line everyone up in a row and they just start beating with a fucking baton on the back. Had to repeat the German. You had to speak fucking German. You didn't speak German, you got fucking killed. And he go and they would teach him the count and they'd be ice, spice, fine, and do the every time you know one for one, two two hits for two, three hits for three. And I watched this ninety three year old man. You just you saw him check the fuck out. He wasn't there anymore. He didn't even realize what he was doing. Volume in his voice went up. His body went fucking rigid. And he just starts damn near screaming it. And that was my first time really seeing what PTSD was. Was with a 93-year-old Holocaust survivor. So, like, we don't... I don't think we have even the slightest understanding of the trauma that these people went through. It reminds me of Ian McKellen's character in uh, the... Steven, in the... Stephen King actually wrote the story, but the movie Apt Pupil, where yes. he puts on the, the Nazi uniform and he starts, like, Nazi marching. And he it's like it's it's natural. Like, he doesn't even realize that he's doing it uh, because it was just so ingrained in his fucking brain. Yeah, this 93-year-old man just started literally borderline screaming in a subway at Walmart. And then, as if the switch got flipped, hi, he's back. He's back being here. Yeah, you mentioned trauma. Sorry, Ian. But, uh, no, anyway, little fact. Madonna, the song she did, Don't Cry For Me, Argentina, from the movie Evita, the real-life character of Evita was married to the dictator who had worked and collaborated in Argentina with the Nazis. Don't Cry For Me, Argentina image of uh, Evita Ramon, or whatever the fuck her name was, is a bunch of bullshit because she took a bunch of fucking Nazi money and then had the five main Nazi agents that had worked for with her and her husband, they suddenly met very, very violent deaths. And all that money went into Evita and her husband's account. No. Fuck Madonna. Basically, the Mossad, like, they gave up their hunt in 1962. He was going all over South America. I think he uh, he had fled Argentina and went to, to Brazil and then to Paraguay and, like, they just couldn't find him. He was changing his name and his addresses so quickly that they couldn't catch up with him. And, of course, the Argentine government was not helping him, them at all. Uh, they came very close yeah. to catching him. Yeah. That, well, they came close whenever he came back to Europe to visit his family. And then he went back to South America. I was thinking of another time. They came very close because at the same time that Mossad was capturing basically the architect of the final solution. Less than 50 miles away, Joseph Mingala was at a potato farm of all fucking places. They were 50 miles away. They were planning on trying to scoop both of them up, but literally 
The reason they couldn't do it is because Mossad's budget got completely wiped out by just catching the architect. They couldn't afford to. And then immediately after that, there was a kidnapped dignitaries children they had to focus on. And Mingala fell kind of into obscurity. And I think it was Paraguay where he finally ended up uh, purchasing a farmhouse with uh, with some partners becoming like a half owner there. And this was in 1969. He ran it for a while. The other owners ended up getting sick and just leaving. They got sick of him. Yeah, they got sick of him. Yeah, they- to be specific, sick of his ass. <laughs> he ended up having his son come and stay with him, Rolf, in 1974. In 76, he ends up having a stroke. And then he ends up having another one three years later in 79. But he has the second one while swimming. So he actually had a stroke and then drowned, which is a pretty brutal death. But he still got to live to be an old man. And it's not brutal enough. Not brutal enough. No. No. One of the things that really bothers me about Mangala is I'm a huge proponent of science. I'm a huge proponent of the scientific method. And one of the largest things about the scientific method is Ethics have to be factored into science in order for science to work properly. All of his experiments, all of his uh, quote-unquote research that he did too, he believed up until the time he died that he would be vindicated in the annals of history because he contributed science to medical progression, etc. It was all horseshit. It was completely unusable. There was nothing that we learned from it. The only thing that we learned from his research is how deep depravity men can stoop to. Yeah, I meant to bring that up too because you were right, Ian. He Every single piece of his research down to the twins themselves meant there, there's nothing to be gained from them. None of the scientific method was uh, applied to it. None of it. Nothing could be possible. Those poor souls died for nothing. I still maintain that it was an excuse. Uh, He loved it so much. He volunteered for all these things. I think the reason he was just shitty about the whole science and whatnot thing is the same thing that you were talking about, Stephen, where you can't admit you were wrong. So he would use whatever uh, reason he had to vindicate himself. I think the most fucked up thing about this, at least for me, is that like the Germans came so fucking close to catching this guy. They came so fucking close. And this is at the end of his life. Obviously, he had just died. And the Germans raided a house in Germany of his lifelong friend. And they found coded messages in his journals pinpointing his exact location in South America. And they fucking raided his farm in South America. And he had just died. And so they went to the police in San Paulo and exhumed his remains like they were just like oh well we had already buried him he just died a few months ago and the germans are like no you know just fucking pissed that they had just missed him and of course they did all the forensic evidence to like make sure it was him his son rolf identified him of course obviously he would if even if he was covering for him but they actually did like deep forensic evidence years later and it was a hundred percent match that it was him and they actually still use his skeleton in san paulo uh at the Institute for uh, Forensic Medicine. It's kind of like, uh, hey, this is how we figured out this was Joseph Mingala. And with a little sign of that just is like, this is what happens when you don't follow the rules. What a fucking capstone that his literal bones is the only part of his entire life where he actually contributed to science. <laughs> uh. And ladies and gentlemen, 
we have gone on. This is going to be a long episode for you, but we are just the tip of the fucking iceberg right. mm. with this guy. There is so much. Oi. Just listen. Oy. We've talked about this many times and like the point of this podcast is not to tell you everything there is to know about all of these villains. The point of this podcast is to just kind of wet things for you a little bit and let you go out there and uh, learn. Like, we want you to go learn about this shit. There is so many books that, you know, Joel, you actually mentioned a, a documentary, one of your favorite crime documentaries about this guy several episodes ago. Like, go and learn things about these people because, like you said, Ian, if you don't talk about this shit, it will be forgotten. It is the complacency of people that allow this kind of thing to happen because it didn't start with a single little thing. It was small, tiny, little, oh, we're going to put up with this or I'm not going to look at this and I'm not going to, you know, I'm just, I'll just look the other way. That's just politics. Right. And then we get Charlottesville. Yeah. Literally Nazi Germany was over 12 years of that particular uh, fascist idealism being worked into every single aspect of a country. And for all intents and purposes, a country losing its entire fucking mind for the course of 12 years, then World War II, and then leading up after that, that that place in the world bred horrors like Dr. Joseph Mengele. And I'm, I'm going to say it now, he's not even the worst, not the fucking worst Nazi. Mary, uh, Lee. And it pisses me off. He just had a stroke and died on the beach. In fucking Paraguay. It's a beautiful goddamn country. I'm going to need like another like 100 episodes before we talk about Nazis again. I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm actually completely okay with not listening to anything or reading anything or even consuming anything about Nazis for a good while here. I no, feel like I got a gentlemen, good but you need, no, no, you gentlemen need to look up uh, the old Sam Donaldson newsreels from the 1980s and 1990s where he went to Argentina and South America and be like, yes, hello, is your name Hans Frugel? No, no, my name is Manuel Gutenberg. Well, it says here, your name is Hans. And they would all, you know, like, well, I was a Hans Grubenhuber in Germany in 1940s, but that's not who I am now. You just went German to Austria yes, so quickly. Great, Arnold. Well, there's, you know, <laughs> they haven't quite learned the southern, the 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 the, the, the soul of the Latino accents or the the, the when you try and make all right, new, uh, no, you get no, Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, you're backpedaling, my friend. I'm digging a hole. There's gonna be guys in China heckling at me. How deep I'm digging this hole. Can we move on to Magneto now? To go along with what we were talking about, about you know, if you want to look up this kind of stuff, this isn't something that you should necessarily want to look up, but it is something you should look up. Yeah, I would suggest Mao's, which is a uh, it's a great comic novella by Art Spiegelman. It is as consumable of a medium as you can for this terrible, terrible subject. Go read it. Go support that artist. It's brutal, but it's beautiful. And for our younger generation, go watch the Indiana Jones movies because he beats the shit out of Nazis in, like, all of them. Hell yeah! <laughs> Kick Nazis in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> 
He's a real asshole. <laughs> oh, God, I'm so glad we're done with that. Can I have a shot or something? Fuck. All right, so let's move on to Magneto, otherwise known as Eric Lenscher, also known as Max Eisenhardt. Yay! <laughs> no, Charles! Charles! Get out of my head, Charles! And you're going to find here now where, where Joel is the, uh, the rain man of real-life villains. I am the rain man of pop culture. No, no. I may carry on with you with this one. With uh, Ian can back me up on this. When it comes to X Men, I was kind of I was kind of on this shit for a while there. Joel, do I we know got my a nerd Magneto. fight. Joel, do you have X Men tattooed on your body, or do you have Lincoln Park tattooed on your body? <laughs> I ah! fucking got you! Oh, he fucking got you, dog! <laughs> oh, since we're dishing outside of Lincoln Park, there's a tribal thing, and outside of that, there's some Chinese symbols. <laughs> Oh, you are so taking Joel's spot on this podcast. Uh, All I fucking said was, I might be able to keep up with you on this one. I might be able to match you on my nerd knowledge. I didn't say anything. Jesus fucking Christ. I love this tempo change. Thanks. You two just did the Blitzkrieg of fucking nerd attacks. Oh, you can't say Blitzkrieg in a German accent? Jesus. It was the pinches. Magneto is my favorite comic book villain. Like, number one. Like, two and three are probably Green Goblin and Doctor Doom. But Magneto, like, he was always the one that I felt had the coolest fucking backstory. Like, the backstory where you were like, God damn, I feel this. I feel this villain's backstory. So, X-Men comics were introduced to me very, very early. Like... Five, six years old, in early X-Men. It's hard to say that you, like, relate with Magneto, but you feel for him. Okay, I was wondering where you were going. No, 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 no. It's so different from almost every other comic book villain. Not just because of the silliness of, of the Joker and and the lack of backstory that was originally written. And things like uh, Rhino and Kraven and, like, you know, Mr. Sinister. And, like, all these Marvel and DC comic villains where you're just kind of like, okay, he's cool, he's got good powers or something, you know, something like that. Magneto gave you a fucking story, and that was so different. It was so different when it came to comics back then, because Doctor Doom was lame as fuck in the in the <laughs> in the nineteen sixties. You know, he just was like these villains. They were choir the boys. Choir boys. The fucking <laughs> choir boys. Fucking, uh, to Magneto. So Doctor Doom was basically just like a, a shitty Tin Man from Wizard of Oz who like got pissed off because he never got cast properly. Right. Right. Until they started developing his character a little bit. But anyway, let's jump into this. Obviously, I'm going to be really passionate about this character. And I also want to throw out a shout out to Jared Murphy, who had originally suggested... Obviously, we were always going to do a Magneto episode, but um, I think him suggesting it really kicked us in the ass and helped us decide to use him for our uh, episode 50. And, you know, there, there may be some of you guys who are, are a little like, oh, you're using a Nazi for your real villain and you're using a Jew for your fictional villain. But the, the important message behind Magneto's character is that he basically became a Nazi. He basically became Ooh. what he ate the most. Ooh, I got some... Oh my god. I got... Okay, so I basically wrote an entire fucking thesis around this accidentally. Saying he didn't become a Nazi, he just became a fascist. Okay, I think Magneto is a perfect bookend to Mangala because his story literally starts. Mangala, is that better? <laughs> you. You, do, you don't have to bend to his will. Uh, <laughs> he'll just keep calling me. Um, so 
Magneto's story begins where Mangala's ends. Sort of. You know what I'm saying. So Magneto's story is a great example of trauma creating a person while Mangala, the opposite of that. Though their methods may be similar and et cetera, the big difference between these two people, well, the fact that one's not real and one is, um, is that Magneto lives in a world where mutants are prone to being suppressed, both direct violence and indirect violence. And if you don't know what that means, indirect violence is basically like a, a systematic means of oppression um basically what we do to minorities and yeah and by we i mean our country not not we as in the podcast the hosts of the podcast i mean uh, our country treats minorities like shit so yeah gandhi was a great example of i think his quote was like it matters little to me if you shoot a man or you starve him by inches and basically that's what magneto's world has been since he since he entered the comics so the difference the reason that I agree with Steven so much on this is he is a great villain because everyone can empathize with the idea of oppression, of wanting to save your people, of wanting to not live in a world where you're constantly in fear. And that is where they differ wildly. Mangala was just fucked. And Magneto, you might not agree with his his methods, but... Well, I definitely don't agree with his methods. Truly does want something. I think, I think there comes a point in Magneto's storyline where sort of divides off of that. You know what I mean? It sort of gets past the point where you're like, okay, I, I I can understand this. I can, I can, even if you're a minority, I can relate with this, you know, because he passes that line. He crosses that fucking line. Oh yeah. Hardcore, hard fucking core. And to me, it's, it's almost like two people coming to the same result by different ways. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I'm so glad you said that. Obviously his way is the trauma and Mengele's way was the choice, but there's no excuse. To me, that's not an excuse. And and it's hard for me to say that being a white American man, it's hard for me to say there's no excuse, but you can't just murder people. You just can't. <laughs> I'm really glad you threw in the caveat of there was no excuse. Cause the way you were sounding, I was like, you know, we're talking about the guy who shifted the Earth's axis to kill a couple billion fucking people because it was millions. It wasn't billions. He, it, it was billions. He killed, literally killed billions in the ultimate uh, ultimatum storyline. Okay. It was just millions. Read Richard said billions. Read Richard said billions. Fuck you. Read Richard said that. Do you know how many people a billion is? I don't think he can count. I don't think he can either. Oh my God. Why the fuck <laughs> you started this one? All I'm saying is I'm fucking glad that you cleared up the whole you don't agree with it. Because I was about to mention he killed billions. Read Richard said it in Ultimatum Issue 3. Fuck you. I have it over here. Okay? He said billions. So go fuck yourself. <laughs> okay. So hold on. I got a question for you. If the system that is set up to oppress the people need the people to be oppressed in order for it to operate and they constantly are experiencing structural violence is it wrong for them to be a quote-unquote revolutionary that's kind of where i was getting at with the crossing a line Mm. I, i think you can be a revolutionary without murdering people or generalizing let's say even if you do murder somebody out of revolution it became past that. Oh, Magneto's yeah. character, his his end goal 
was conquer and enslave. That is not revolutionary. Like, that's not, I mean, it is. It's not, I'm going to be a revolutionary and, and beat the system. It's, I'm going to be a revolutionary, break the system, and then recreate the system the exact same way with me in charge. Okay. You know what I mean? It's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit hypocritical. Honestly. Oh, no, that is, that is one thing that I liked about uh, Magneto's character is that he's so flawed, almost sees the hypocrisy in his logic. Oh, he does several times. Yeah. Magneto goes back and forth between being an anti-hero and between being a hero and being a villain. He's constantly character changing. That's, yeah, that's where I was going to put Are you going to talk know. about issue 200, Trial of Magneto? Woo-hoo! <laughs> yeah, Joel. I was actually going to bring up amazing x-men issue two in which he magneto and apocalypse have a really deep meaningful conversation about taking over the fucking world from the age of apocalypse storyline of 1995 <laughs> but what's up steven shall we keep going about how joel doesn't have his nerd cred oh shit he just whipped out his dick folks watch out i say you didn't have your nerd cred? you did i just said you didn't know how to count <laughs> You just saying Reed Richards doesn't know how to count? I mean, Reed Richards is arguably a worse villain than Magneto because he ruins everything just to find a reason to fix it. He's kind of a dick. Actually, I'm going to go ahead and say Xavier's also kind of a dick. Oh, no. Xavier is an utter villain. Especially. Let's... <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Let's. Sorry, sorry, sorry. We're nerding out. Let's continue. Let's continue. Let's get back to it. Stay on the storyline. And we talked about the trauma. I think it's important to, to talk about, especially for our listeners that aren't familiar with Magneto. When I said he, uh, his name was Max Eisenhardt, that was his first name. He was born in the kind of late 1920s to a middle class German Jewish family. And. His father was a decorated World War I veteran with the Nazi rise to power. He took his family to, and fled. He fled to Poland. They were captured and uh, sent to a Jewish ghetto. And they escaped only to be captured again. And at this point, his mother, father, and sister were all buried in a mass grave. And for those of you, and this is going to get a little dark again, but for a mass grave is where the Nazis will line you up. And they will uh, usually shoot you in the head with a pistol um, with the cheapest ammunition that they can possibly buy, and you would fall sometimes to your death, not all the time. Sometimes the bullets wouldn't kill you because they were so shittily made, and you would fall into a mass grave with a bunch of other bodies, and it would take you sometimes a long time to die. And so basically his whole family was lined up, shot in the mass grave. He survived, was captured again and sent to Auschwitz, and this is where he kind of reunited with a girl from his past. He fell in love with her. They uh, escaped during the revolt um, when the Red Army came in. And uh, this is what soured him on human beings. He had already realized his powers. He never wanted these atrocities that he felt as a Jewish child to happen to mutant kind like they were to Jews. So his idea was... We are the superior race. We're not going to let that happen by any means necessary. The only way to make that not happen is to become the dominant species on the planet by conquering and enslaving humankind. Yeah. I remember I went to go see the X-Men movie, the first X-Men movie with my dad. And the first X-Men movie where they showed uh, Magneto as a child in heading towards the camp. That was an incredibly powerful scene. Just, just that was fucking insane. Yeah, where the gate bends. It's basically the best scene in the movie. Oh, yeah. It's the best scene in the movie. And that movie sucks. The first X-Men movie? <laughs> Dude, I fucking hate the X-Men movies. Don't get me started on okay. that. I'm so fucking pumped for the MCU to have the X-Men movies again. Okay. Like, the only X-Men movies I genuinely love are Logan mm. and... 
I mostly mostly really like Days of Future. I was gonna say, okay. I just never really dug. First of all, the uh, director of the X Men movies is a fucking pedophile or a rapist. Yeah, uh, Brian Singer. And second of all, remind me to come back to him. <laughs> Because there's a whole story there, but go on. Second of all, they completely fucked all the timelines up with first class and like Havoc being in the first class and like even though he's Scott Summers' brother and like I just fucked those movies. But anyway, uh, I agree that that Magneto scene is probably the most perfect scene in the entire series. At that scene, I'm sitting next to my dad and we're watching this movie and dad didn't know anything about X-Men. He knew about Wolverine because me and Ian would run around with like butter knives between our fingers but he didn't know a goddamn thing about magneto and they showed up magneto they started fucking auschwitz and my dad who is ian dad was normally unflappable yeah right yeah dad was pretty much an unflappable guy for the most part the moment it says auschwitz 1943 the old man is just leaning back like you know watch a dumbass movie with my kid he just stops and just sits up and he just goes leans over to me and goes what the hell is this? And I go, this is the bad guy's origin story. And they just start showing the Nazis. And dad goes, I did not fucking expect this. Where the fuck did this come from? You're reading this shit? Like, I had to explain. I'm like, dad, it's in the comic books. It's all cool. Like, my dad had no clue about it. And he still talked about it years later. He was just like, holy shit. I did not expect that. I just... Yeah. Holy shit. No wonder he's pissed. I think it's important that we do talk about the just the X-Men just a little bit here because the X-Men were created to be symbols of minorities in America. And a lot of our younger listeners probably don't really know that. I mean, maybe not even be that familiar with X-Men anyway. They're, you know, especially uh young 20s are probably it's all been Avengers shit for the last 10 years, you know, uh that they had fed into their faces by the MCU and Disney, but like the X-Men were created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby to signify minority oppression in America. So it's really interesting. It just, it's so amazing to have this character who sticks up for minority oppression, but by doing that, he has to become the oppressor. It's fucking genius. It is, it is genius story writing. And you can see the parallels of 1960 revolutionary activism that was going on at the time, because even Stan Lee had said that the brotherhood of, of mutants were very much kind of influenced how they were still good guys, but the media had portrayed them as villains. Even Stan Lee had said, you know, I kind of based them around the concept of the black Panther movement because these were men and women who were wanting to do good and change the system, but everyone had a view of them because they were this one particular thing. They were uh, absolute villains, and they had to, you know, and some of, some of them became extreme and committed uh, acts of violence. If I were to modernize it a little bit, I would say more the Brotherhood is probably more close to LGBTQ now because uh, they are so discriminated against even within other minorities. And so when you're looking at the Brotherhood, they were a group of mutants that were discriminated against even by other mutants. Yeah. Back then, you know, it makes more sense because African-Americans were discriminated against within America. So it's a little bit different now, but you can just modernize it a little bit. That goes back to that thing that we were talking about with structural violence. And um, when you were saying that the Brotherhood is 
basically the LGBTQ plus, I'm sorry if I'm missing other acronym stuff in there. That part is something called intersectionality, which is when you're oppressed on multiple different levels. And that's why I love Magneto so much, because his character pets the dog. It's a it's a bad guy that you know he's doing the wrong thing. And even he admits it several times. You know he's doing the wrong thing. But he still pets the dog. He still means he wants the best for his people. So it's so hard to fault him. Yeah, it's it's amazing. And I'm having a lot of fun talking about him. Just a little bit more about him. So he works at this, this psychiatric hospital. That's where he meets Charles Xavier. They have a phenomenal disagreement <laughs> on how how humans should be treated and this is where they split off they're still friends but they're they're kind of like that friend that's like i know you're fucking up they both feel like the other one's fucking up they want to help them but they can't you know it's like you're not going to listen to me you're not going to see it in my point of view but i can't hate you type of situation friend that's a trump supporter <laughs> basically creates asteroid m which is like this orbital base of disgruntled mutants this is where the brotherhood of mutants is born uh, which is like mutant oddities like Toad and, and Mystique and Sabretooth. And actually, he even brings on Xavier's half-brother, Juggernaut, uh, as just kind of an extra fuck you, by the way. It's like, see, even your family is, like, on my side, you know? Even your family who is not even an actual mutant. <laughs> right. He just had some stupid jewel. <laughs> this is where the similarities between, like, Magneto and Mengele kind of start to pick up because he creates the Savage Land mutates. Like, this is where, like... Okay, so now Magneto is going to create, like, a group of super mutants, like, in a lab and going to release them against the human population. So now he's dabbling in, like, genetics and kind of the same type of shit, evil shit, to, to gain power. Flashback to the Death Head. Yep. You know, his brotherhood is constantly battling with the X-Men. We are the future, Charles! A really interesting part of his storyline is he uses this alien technology. He creates this humanoid called Alpha, the Ultimate Mutant. And he basically wants to use this to just destroy humankind. He's like, you are the ultimate mutant. You can do anything you want, as long as it's what I tell you to do. <laughs> ultimate mutant says, I'm not doing that. In fact, uh, you're acting like a petulant child. So I'm going to use my mutant powers that you basically created me to have. And I'm going to turn you into a child. Because that's what you are. So he ends up taking Magneto's powers and turning him into a child. And this was a really weird storyline, by the way. And, like, Moira McTaggart, like, helps him get his powers back and, and helps him become older again. This is kind of the point where he starts to kind of understand that maybe he's, like, going a little too far. And, and I'm speaking specifically main universe X-Men, okay? It's important to point that out because, as we talked about before with, uh, with like, Catwoman and other uh, comic book villains that we've talked about, Comic books just kind of delta out into many, many different universes and many storylines. So kind of the crossroads on Magneto's character in the main universe was he almost murders Kitty Pride, who was written as a Jewish character. She was a Jewish teen and he is about to murder her. And he looks down and he sees this Jewish young girl. You know, Kitty Pride was basically a child when she joined the X-Men. And he realizes that, like, I'm becoming what I hate the most. Like, my brotherhood is now fighting with the Avengers like, Captain America, like, the person who fucking hated Nazis more than anybody else on this fucking planet. I'm now fighting with Captain America and the Avengers. This is where, like, some of the anti-hero stuff comes in. But before that, and we didn't mention, he has two children, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. And Scarlet Witch is a whole nother podcast of 
crazy. Um, maybe not necessarily a villain except for a few parts of her comic career, but she can change reality. And she sleeps with her brother. That is very hinted upon throughout the comic world. That is straight up <laughs> said and shown well, in the ultimate well, Marvel Universe. Straight up. I don't think it's shown. Wolverine watches Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch fuck. I know they make out a little bit. I don't no, know no, what they, they, they fuck. Fuck. You know what? They I'm going to need evidence. I need actual pictures. Yeah, I need some pictures. You're going to have to send me some pictures. <laughs> they legitimately <laughs> fuck after Magneto sends Wolverine to go kill his own son because he is a disappointment. Ultimate Universe. He's a disappointment, Charles! <laughs> Charles! They went so off the fucking rails with the you know, the Ultimate Universe after, like, Ultimates 3. It was just like... Let's let's see how much crazy shit we can fit into all these comics at once and, and just shovel them out as quick as possible. Going back to Scarlet Witch, she this whole thing uh, called House of M takes place. And that's where Scarlet Witch changes reality to create the House of Magnus, making Magneto the supreme leader over mutants. Like, basically what he has always wanted to be. And Wanda ends up losing her children and breaks down and basically snaps her fingers and says, no more mutants. And what is it, 95% of all mutants on the Earth just are erased? Is this the one where they're on the, the asteroid and all they them die? Or I can't fucking... No, so, so what happens is she erases almost all the mutants. And at this point, like, Cyclops, who... I'm just going to say it, and you guys can make fun of me. Cyclops is my favorite X-Man. What? I fucking love his character. A lot of people give him shit because of the uh, X-Men cartoon and the, the terrible Jim Lee drawn, like hero suit and he was just kind of made a bitch in the cartoon throughout the 90s but like i'm sorry i, I bet your favorite ninja turtle is leonardo isn't it no it's donatello oh okay okay we're cool <laughs> but anyway like cyclops's character progression throughout the the marvel universe has just been like amazing and, and a, lot, a lot of not, not a lot of people really talk about that so at this point because so many mutants are dead cyclops decides to create this utopia of mutants and it's it's on asteroid m which has crashed into the ocean at this point it becomes a utopia an island for mutants and magneto finally says like he has this internal battle and he's like i can't justify using what little mutants we have left to go to war so i have to join them even if i can't be the leader and this kind of like causes a turning point where cyclops starts turning to that Magneto role and where Magneto starts turning to that Cyclops role. And it's really interesting because of course they both eventually switch back to their, cause that's what comic books do. They eventually switch back to their normal roles, but um, it was just a total realization that I was doing the wrong thing. And because of that, I am forced to do the right thing now. It's, that's fucking character development right there. That's why he works so well in the opposite direction of what we first touched on with Mangala, that that character is able to recognize when it's made a mistake, mm -hmm. depending upon who's writing him, obviously. Because there's been a lot of shitty Magneto stories, too. Fuck yeah. Ugh. Does anyone else remember Joseph, the Joseph. Magneto clone that they thought was a real Magneto when Charles mind wiped him right before the onslaught issue? Oh, yeah. Magneto, I'm sorry, I'm going to say it. I liked Joseph. <laughs> Dude, I'm not going to make fun of you. I liked seeing Magneto hopeful, you know, and like what, you know, Magneto being Charles, the best of what Charles had always looked for. FYI, I literally just sent you the page from Ultimate. 
<laughs> uh, it's, it's on Facebook. I sent it to you, which Wolverine watches them. They're not fucking. But we don't see them fuck, do we? No, you just see them being intimate. My point is, I want to see them fuck. <laughs> yeah, Joel. That's what Tumblr used to be there for. We both said that they are very intimate and that there are a lot of hints and uh, some questionable... There was no fucking hints! <laughs> fucking Wolverine told Captain America and fucking Thor and... What's his name? The... Hawkeye? Hawkeye. Yeah. Straight up. Hey, man. Ultimate Hawkeye is the shit, by the way. Yes, anyway. Speaking of Wolverine, one awesome thing about Magneto is he's basically one of the only people in the entire Marvel Universe that can fuck Wolverine shit up. Without any problems. Yeah, his shit yeah. is custom made for that. <laughs> right? It's like, I am custom made to fuck Wolverine up. You need you need Wolverine fucked up? How many times do I have to do this to you, Wolverine? Like, I'm your Wolverine guy. We never really touched up on his powers at all, and I, I kind of want to end oh, yeah. you know this this segment talking about his powers, and and that's like he can manipulate metal at an atomic all the way to microscopic levels. Like he's your metal guy. Like he can pick up a thirty ton submarine. He can fucking Generate electromagnetic pulses around his body as like an orb to protect him from both physical and energy attacks. Actually, I think this is the D&D villain that you want, Ian, by the way. Okay. <laughs> Joseph Mengele is the D&D villain that everybody wants to write, but nobody actually wants to go there because it's fucking, it hurts. That's not fun to play. Magneto is fucking perfect because electromagnetism has to do with everything. Like, you apply enough electromagnetism to wood and you can move it. Yeah, he straight up can manipulate the electromagnetic fields of the planet. Yeah. Like, I, I know I've said it a lot, but he, he legitimately can. In the Age of Apocalypse storyline, he literally, I think, sinks half of a fucking continent in one of them. That's what he does in Ultimatum, too. And funny that we brought up Cyclops because... Cyclops actually blows his fucking head off in the Ultimatum series. That's awesome. <laughs> he fucking explodes great. his head. Another thing that, like, Magneto can do, he can use his powers to read, like, micro-expressions on someone's face, and it, and it works as a lie detector. He can basically use his power to tell if you're lying by the micro-expressions of magnetism on your fucking face. You're full of shit, Charles! Which sounds really bullshit. You're full of shit, Charles! <laughs> it does. It sounds super-duper bullshit. <laughs> But I don't care because it's awesome. Yeah, his, you know, it's like when Wolverine can smell that you're lying. I mean, I guess that makes more sense because you're sweating a little, little profusely and sweat all the time. <laughs> your, your body produces certain chemicals when you lie. It's all bullshit. It doesn't matter. <laughs> okay, so just to get a uh, sort of a range on this guy's power, by the way, if he can flip the magnetic poles of the Earth. It's that's like some top tier level shit. And electromagnetism has everything to do with everything in physics, how particles interact, whether they're ferrous or non-ferrous, a.k.a. magnetic or non-magnetic. So this dude is super fucking powerful, depending upon who. Uh, even in the, one of the movies, I think he, he manipulated the iron in somebody's blood to, to pull through their pores, right? Yeah. yeah, that's how he got out of that fucking plastic hamster cage. Right, right. It's, it's fucking awesome. And real quick, like. I know we talked about how great of a villain he was, but on IGN's top 100 comic book villains, he was ranked number one. And on Wizard, who Wizard is like your classic comic book list, he was number 17 on greatest villains ever. Not even not even comic book villains, just greatest villains ever. And you have to think, like, that's a list that's going to be composed of Darth Vader, fucking... Uh, Darth Vader. I just want to say Darth Vader over and fucking over again. <laughs> but, like, I'm saying, like, Cobra Commander, Skeletor, like, these are, like... All your your pop culture uh, villains, basically the Joker, of course, 
is going to be on there. His power is so vast and so micro and macro. He literally killed Jean Grey by just disrupting the electromagnetic impulses to her brain. He literally shut her brain off by snapping his finger. How His powers are so powerful that he can stop telepathy like i know that he uses his helmet in a lot of the main storylines like throughout like more modern stories he just doesn't even wear a helmet anymore. his magnetism is so powerful he can stop telepathy with his fucking magnetism he can stop you from reading his fucking mind <laughs> also bullshit but <laughs> but honestly i mean just look at that silver fox daddy hair he's got yeah. i wouldn't wear a fu- i wouldn't wear a fucking hat with that i came fresh out of the 90s uh 90s x-men cartoons just like you guys probably did how old are you 32 oh 33 holy shit okay so yeah you're- <laughs> i was about to fucking say you're you're exactly my age and so like whenever the first x-men movie came out like after seeing buff fucking like Silver Fox Magneto through the entire like X-Men cartoon, I was so disappointed to see Ian McKellen as Magneto. I was like, who the fuck is this shriveled old fuck? You know, in, in, when I was 13, whenever the movie came out. It's just really funny because he, he won over my heart uh, with his character. And it's like, he's not who I pictured at all for the part, you know, beforehand. I couldn't think of anybody else to play him, though. Right. Dr. Howard, back in the day. When they originally were going to make an X-Men movie, Rutger Hauer was originally lined up to play, going to play Magneto. And let's just be honest, the guy from Blade Runner who says, you know, I've seen things you people wouldn't even, you know, going like, get out of my head, Charles. <laughs> now. He's a Now, here lies my question. They're recasting the X-Men movie. All right. And there is talk of making Magneto a person of color, which initially I'm cool with, but they want to, they still want to keep the past tragedy that is Magneto's upbringing, but move it into a more modern day, modern day tragedy. Tell me what you guys think of Denzel Washington as Magneto. And his background story is he is a victim and a refugee from the Sudanese genocide. Uh, of the 1970s and 1980s. So here's my opinion. I don't give a fuck who plays him. Like, I think as long as they keep the message the same, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't fucking matter. Thank you. Any other answer would have been wrong. Any other answer would have been wrong. Especially if you have like a fantastic fucking actor like Denzel Washington playing the part. Like he's going to crush that role. Number one. Fuck yeah. But number two, like it doesn't matter what oppressed minority story you're using because it's all the same message here. We're all, we're all getting the same message. And that's the important part of Magneto's character is the message that he became what he hated the most and what he became the oppressor from the oppressed. And it can be fucking anybody. It could be, it could be an African-American that was enslaved or had his life ruined by the KKK in the, in the thirties or forties. Thank you. I wanted, I wanted to make sure that we very much cleared that up and, and like that, that, that particular thing was kind of said for our audience that, you know, the story of Magneto is something that can be easily transferred onto anybody. And that in a sense, you can be Magneto in a way if you don't handle trauma properly. Now, if you were to say, 
can Magneto be an African-American actor and keep the same Nazi Germany storyline? No. No, that doesn't work. That would make no. no sense. Plus, he'd be like 100 fucking years old at this point. A, a, I hope Denzel gets it. If Denzel doesn't get it, it's because he doesn't want <laughs> oh, it. Good point. And I, I, can't, I can't say I blame him. Denzel's at that level. I can't say I blame Denzel's him. at that level. But I'm just... Dude is still getting nominated for Oscars like every fucking year. Like, if he, if he wants it, he'll get it. Just want to hear Denzel Washington. Full-on costume, right? cape over one arm like he does very regal like spin around and in the air turn to charles and be like charles my man i want to hear that so bad so a little on topic i thought it was interesting that i had read is that uh you know because mcu has the rights back to the fantastic four and you know they've always struggled with the fantastic four movies in general what are you talking about they've all been perfect (laughs) oh yeah 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 especially the unfinished 1990s one i had read that they're possibly going to be bringing in dr doom as a Black Panther villain in the second Black Panther movie and using Doctor Doom to bring in the Fantastic Four rather than using the Fantastic Four to bring in Doctor Doom, which I think is a really great idea because Doctor Doom's villain set, like his his motives and his like technology and stuff, just fits with Black Panther just so much better. Throwing on five new characters, you know what I mean? So you build in your villain first and then you bring in the people to defeat him later. Yeah, from what I read yesterday, they pretty much haven't officially announced it, but the villain for Black Panther 2 is actually Namor because hmm. they've referenced Atlantis in a couple different uh, in in event in Black Panther and Avengers Endgame, and they're going to introduce Doctor Doom in the film for the Black Panther 3. You fucking nerds. Are we still talking about Magneto? <laughs> I'm so sorry. I don't care. That's totally off. All right. Okay, hold on. Let, let's hop ahead. Let's hop. Everyone's favorite, bowler hats. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Real quick. Okay. I wrote like paragraphs and I tried to narrow it down as much as possible to give my little thesis. All right, Ian, thanks for joining us. I'll just kick him out of the... <laughs> thanks for listening, folks. You can find us on Al. <laughs> All right, so we've already discussed how their similarities are obviously, you know, they did bad shit, right? And whatever you feel about their motivations, the differences between them, but the main thing that unites both of them is that it was the prevention of both of these men's quest for power. You could have stopped that if you had a fair and equal system for all of its citizens. So in other words, like the Nazi are a power structure up that allowed Mengele to come to power and do that terrible shit. And the oppression that happened with Magneto and the mutants allowed him to try to become this kind of person so in other words without systematic oppression implemented Mengele would have just been a shitty dentist and magneto would probably just be max and inequality is just the opportunity for evil to exist that makes sense i'm with you yeah what i was checking my phone oh. i'm sorry what <laughs> what a dick <laughs> I'm kidding Ian you're absolutely right I apologize but you are correct your tattoo's dumb oh fuck <laughs> off it is dumb <laughs> so in other words go out there and eat the rich folks no listen wait do you have a Magneto tattoo on you I don't but I do have uh, Wolverine Sabretooth Omega Red okay. Thor yeah. Gambit Cyclops Captain America Green Goblin Iron Man. I have an X-Men X on my wrist, so suck my asshole. I'm just saying, you've, you've got to... Put your tongue directly in my asshole. you got cis white males fucking 
all over your body, all of which have been known to murder people over the course of 60 years. That's cool. Keep talking that shit while I stay woke. Anyway, off to the bowler hat scale. I'm just going to start this off, me and like tens for both. They're both tens. Okay, okay. Question from the audience right now. All right, so Vlad, we talked about him for a little while. We talked about Ponzi and Joel. I think he way overshot Ponzi on the uh, bowler hat scale. Agreed. Agreed. Fucking... I don't know. You heard me bitching at him about that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there. Okay. The bowler hat scale, does that mean how much ability they have to, like, become a good person? Or what's that mean? I mean, I think that I think that's part of it. I think that's part of it. Okay. Okay. I think once you cross a line, though, you can't be redeemed. And, and once again, it's a little bit tougher with a comic book villain because there's so many different uh, iterations of him. But if we're just taking Magneto and all of his, all of his stories all together as one... The man killed millions, and there's no coming back from that. There's no excuse for that, no matter how traumatized you were as a child, no no matter how traumatizing the environment is. When you kill millions of people, you are a supreme villain. Uh, He's an Omega villain. And I almost brought that up earlier when you were talking about how powerful of a mutant he was. Magneto is one of the only mutants that is classified as an Omega mutant. Ten. He's a ten. For me. Yeah. Uh... Okay, I was I was disagreeing. I was doing the head shake because he's not technically the only Omega. No, I said one of one of. There's 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 a very few amount. Oh, I thought you said the only. I was like, time for the new argument. <laughs> no, Magneto is a ten, absolute. And you and I have argued and disagreed about this, Stephen. But I have said that there has not been a villain who broke our scale other than Jimmy Savile. I mean, he didn't break the scale. There is no breaking the scale. He broke the fucking scale, okay? He broke the scale in pure... But Jimmy Savile is now a 10, and Dr. Joseph Mingala is the new number one villain that we've had, in my mind. Only one villain can be the number one of all of all time. Mingala currently stands at number one. He has dethroned Jimmy Savile, which was at an eleven. I mean, this is this is your subjective opinion. I think history says otherwise. I mean, so and I argued with you. I believe that uh, Vlad the Impaler was the was our worst villain that we had done. Do I agree with you that Mingala is the worst? Yes. I do agree with that. But I'm not going to break the scale because that's stupid. What's the point of the scale? Yeah, if you're just going to break it, what's the fucking point? No, no the, the scale only <laughs> breaks for one person. The worst of the worst. This week on the Curly Mustache, yeah. Joel breaks the scale again. again no, yeah, we're setting no, a precedent. No. Precedent has been set by Jimmy fucking Savile. You have to find someone more fucking evil than him. Well, I did. Vlad the Impaler. No! Uh, no! There is a difference. He boiled children alive. Okay. He boiled them after raping them and then stuck fucking poles up their assholes through their heads. You and I are just going to argue about it. That's fine. It is. It's true. It's true. I think I'm good. Okay. They're both tense. I'm going to say in my heart of hearts that uh, Mingala is an 11. Okay. Well, that's there is no redemption. Okay. Well, that's fine. But I do agree with you that Mingala is the worst. Okay. Yeah. I would say Magneto is probably on like the mid tier of tens. You know, he's like a Genghis Khan. Yeah. The, the crazy thing about the bowler hat on Genghis Khan is like he killed like a fucking third of the population. But it was so long ago, everyone's like, ah, you know, that was like <laughs> that was Mongolia and like. But, yeah. but like, look, he fucks so much. How cool is that? That's Joel thing right there. <laughs> okay. So. 
I'm definitely going to go in the same, like, we're going 10s across the board here. It's, I feel bad giving Magneto a 10, but I know that it's, it's got to be because he's killed so much. There's no coming back from that. And even if he did, they'd probably just write him that it was a clone and it was actually, he was out killing babies or some shit. I don't know. Ian, that's the magical thing about Magneto is that you feel bad about giving him a 10 because he's so well written. Right? He's so well constructed that he's murdered millions of people and you feel bad for him. The other part that I feel bad about is talking about Mangala. Magneto's not real, but Mangala, that shit fucking happened. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to go with 10 because it hits all the marks. Uh, with, with Savile, he had very small and intimate, terrible, like, small like gross things you know and vlad big fucking all over the place spiking people eating babies and shaking cabbages and he i'm sorry Mengala, yes cabbages? i don't know what vlad does for fun uh, i i told you what he did for fun he boiled people oh yeah <laughs> that's right with the spikes and the stuff yeah but Mengala hits all the marks intimate moments with the children and then fucking like boiling them in acid and then, oh, I don't know, the th- thousands of people that himself killed or made go to death. Like, so he hits all the marks. Have you guys seen that comic of Vlad the Impaler uh, having s'mores for the first time? <laughs> no. He, like, sticks the marshmallow on the stick and puts it over the fire and he goes, well, these are fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> I made a TikTok about that. It's fucking, it's amazing. All right. Yeah, I think we're all pretty much on the same page. Neither one can be redeemed. I think we're all agreeing on that. Yes. I think now is the time we can continue on into our listener feedback. So this is kind of in reference to what, uh, when we were talking about Joseph Mingla, Mark, uh, who was a guest host on the uh, Whitey Bulger and Frank Costello episode, uh, he sent me a text when I told him we were doing uh, Mingla for our episode 50. And he said, uh, I read a book by a Jewish prisoner of Auschwitz. Uh, the book is called Auschwitz, A Doctor's Eyewitness Account. Uh, it's written by Dr. Mikolos uh, Niezli, who, this is the guy that Joel was talking about earlier, who was a uh, Polish doctor who had to work alongside him uh, and other Nazi doctors. Mark went on to say, Nazis wasted nothing and used everyone and everything. They kept this guy alive because he was a doctor and he had the experience that they needed. He had to help with Mengele's experiments involving the twins. He helped examine the bodies of his fellow Jewish prisoners directly after they had just been gassed or drowned. I actually bought the book a while back. It is a short book, but a long fucking read. Yeah. Mark, thank you for the feedback. I don't want to read that book. I don't think I can read that book. I definitely can't. There's no way. Uh, this is a uh, thing that we've talked about several times. Like, a lot of these subjects are very hard to read about because they're so difficult. And it's important to do it. So, read it. Take breaks. You know, go out, t- take a smoke break, go watch some birds fuck or something. Smoke some weed while you're doing it. Hot, big advocate for the weed. Yeah. Go get you some Blaze 420. <laughs> yes. Oh, shizzle, my fellow youngsters. I know how to connect with the kids these days. But yeah, great suggestion for the book, though. Yeah. And you can find it on Amazon. I'm, I'm sure it's not very uh, expensive. Our next piece of feedback comes from uh, former host, Miss Elisa who, by the way, uh, messaged me today and uh, yelled at me that she has not been back on the show. (laughs) Yeah, we know that. Miss Elisa, you'll be back soon. You'll be back soon. 
Don't worry, I took this bullet for you. Right. <laughs> uh, Alisa says, I really love hearing D. Hart's dry humor and commentary. I love hearing about villains that I never knew about. Also, the only movie I could think of when I saw the title of the episode was that one crazy vampire movie where the winter village in Alaska was attacked because there was no sunlight for forever. That'd be 30 days of night. Yes. And the episode that she's referring to is last week's episode on the town that dreaded sun. Which, that was... Yeah, funny. also, uh, I love D. Hart's dry humor and commentary too, which is why I do a fucking weekly podcast with him. <laughs> it's, it's really interesting because D. Hart, he loves all the really fucked up, like blood and gore and like everything gross you can find about a weird fucked up horror movie d Hart is all about but it's like you start talking about really creepy like serial killer shit and he's like nah <laughs> he's like i'm not about this life all right and our last piece of feedback is actually a new apple podcast review from the mayors i don't know who the mayors are do you guys no but they're awesome god bless them. they are awesome they left us a five-star review and said, For someone that loves anything true crime, I was excited to find this podcast. It did not disappoint. The hosts are funny and informed. They do a great job of analyzing both the character and the person. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Thank you Thanks. so much. That is a glowing review. It's fucking awesome. Thank you. We really appreciate yeah, it. I had to make up for the last one, which was two stars. And, ah, oh, yes, I remember. I came here for the true crime, not masturbating. Gross. Does that not go hand in hand? Did they not learn anything from true crime? We have beat this horse fucking dead. And we beat it after it's dead. God. And we beat off. (laughs) On the dead horse. (laughs) Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to episode 50. Uh, It was was depressing for sure, but we got through it. Felt like it was great. Ian, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Is there anything that you'd like to plug uh, out there for our listeners? I I really appreciate you letting me on for this one, too. Um, I I hope that the main message of this episode goes out. Not to switch subjects, but don't forget, review, please rate. Every time you do that on iTunes, it really helps with the algorithms of a lot of different podcast stuff. So these guys are out here killing it, and I really appreciate them for that. So if you could do that. Only thing I want to plug. Oh, thank you very much. Really the biggest thing that you can do, you know, aside from like reviews is just tell your friends, just share us with people. Like if you have friends that like true crime and comics and fucking horror movies. And I mean, we have such a spectrum of the villains that we talk about because villainy is just so strewn throughout the universe of pop culture. And unfortunately, uh, the real universe as well. Tell your friends that they can find us on Spotify, on Apple podcasts, on TuneIn, and like any other major podcast platforms out there. Uh, there you can follow, you can subscribe. Like Ian just said, rate and review us. If you're a listener and you haven't already, please do us a huge favor and go do those things. Also, find us on Facebook, on Twitter, and Instagram at the Curly Mustache Podcast. I'll post, you know, relevant posts from our shows, like some interviews, pictures, you know, all sorts of stuff. Uh, recently, I posted uh, some really interesting pictures from a 1940s Russian textbook of a dog's head plugged into a machine which is pretty cool. Also, you can leave us some feedback on those platforms and we'll address it on the show. Uh, Check out some other more recent United Cypher podcasts like Motion Picture Meltdown uh, and Music Video Countdown or go back and listen to older episodes of The Fallout Forecast, The Anime Alphabet, and Talks Over Games. And lastly, check out some podcasts from friends of ours like Neuronomy, The Whiskey Reel, Sorry to Waste Your Time, and Code Yellow, A Scare Actors Podcast. I'm Steven. Joel Erotic. And make sure you stay evil. <laughs> <laughs>